Welcome to the Briggs & Veselka podcast. Join our partners as we take a deep dive into growing your business and building a financial foundation that benefits your employees, clients, and vendors. The Briggs & Veselka podcast is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Ryan Gore. Hello, welcome to the BNV podcast. My name is Ryan Gore, and today we have a very special discussion planned. Two individuals with undeniable impacts to our firm. The first, his name is on the building, one of our founders, Johnny Veselka. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you. And the second, with his own legacy already stamped on the company's history, one of our former managing shareholders, John Flatowitz. Thank you for joining us, John. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. So, Johnny, starting with you, I figured we'd start chronologically. Can you tell us about starting the company and how you met Melton Briggs? Okay. Basically, I started out after graduating from the University of Houston in accounting, went to work for the Internal Revenue Service. And my goal was to eventually go into a tax practice, probably in my hometown of El Campo, Texas, or somewhere in that area. And uh, after uh, meeting Mr. Briggs, who was a partner in a accounting firm, I was auditing one of their largest clients, which was a group of corporations and individuals. And at that time, I actually assessed a considerable amount of tax on the group. But after we settled the case, and maybe a month or two after that, I got a call from Mr. Briggs, who said he was getting ready to basically go on his own and split from the partnership, but he would like hit the clients that he was taking with him was this large group of clients that I had audited and they had asked him to actually ask me to join the firm because they felt like I did know apparently what I was doing a little bit, what I was auditing. And so we negotiated, uh, and I, I was as an internal revenue service about six years. We negotiated my salary would basically, I said, I would go to work for you without any increase in pay or, but uh, let's just see how it works. If it doesn't work out, uh, I go look for a job in El Campo and try to start a firm there. So that's kind of how it started as far as getting introduced to Mr. Briggs and me and him. I actually joined him in uh, 1972 in May. And a year later, we formed Briggs and Veselka Company. I was fairly young at the time, but he made me a, a small shareholder in the firm, and we decided to start Briggs and Veselka, which we did in October of 1973, and that was our beginning. We were from a modest beginning of, I guess, our fees the first year were maybe $70,000. We grew every year from the start. And after Mr. Briggs retired in the 80s, and I took over and managed for 25 years. And during all these years, we never had a down year. We always yeah, had increases and in averaging from 10 to 14 percent. And then after John took over, that continued and probably continues to this day. And with some of the larger mergers, even greater percentages. So it's been a nice adventure and a nice long run, and it continues today. That's amazing. And, and, you know, starting 
a company with someone going to business with them, I, I think it takes quite a, a lot of trust. What really drew you uh, to Mr. Briggs there? Well, I guess it's, I came from a small town and uh, where ethics and, you know, uh, commonality as far as never being one to really be boastful, but work hard, do your job, get things done. And uh, Mr. Briggs seemed like he came actually from a small town of Lampasas and I think some of the same work ethic, it has to do with culture and work ethic more than anything, I think, to whereby, you know, it, at that time, it was a matter of trust. And we we did agree on onset. If it didn't work out, both of us would be fine. But it worked out very well in our case. But I think some of it was the culture and my upbringing and his upbringing, probably in the small mm-hmm. t- town we grew up in. Great. And and prior to John joining the firm, what would you say, you know, maybe that year before was the state of BNV? What service lines were you really focusing on and, and trying to improve? Okay. When we started with Mr. Briggs, I, you know, my background was tax. His background was tax. And so we were a tax firm and we did a lot of estate and trust work along with income tax. But we were very weak in the financial area because we didn't do any audits and things of that nature. So that's how we ended up looking in the nature of having to grow and build a a full practice. We needed uh, obviously some financial expertise and that's how we ended up looking and founding the greatest guy we could have ever found by John Vladowitz. There you go. Perfect segue. Where did you pick him up? And John, about what time did you join the firm? I joined the we firm. Picked him up. Yeah. I oh, go ahead, Johnny. No, I said, I think we, John at the time was with Arthur Young, but I'll let him uh, tell you how it happened. Yeah, I graduated from UT Austin and went to work for Arthur Young in Houston. I think a little under four years. I came from Omaha, Nebraska originally, my native town, and wasn't really used to big firms. And, you know, Arthur Young at the time, we had 300 plus people in the auditing department. Never really got comfortable with the fact that I never had really a home office because you're in the field all the time. And, you know, people came and go and it wasn't that comfortable. I was kind of looking for something a little bit smaller where I could make more of an immediate impact. And started interviewing and something Johnny mentioned earlier about integrity and and culture. When I interviewed with, I believe, Johnny and Steve, that was quite apparent, you know, and immediately I felt like, gosh, I'd love to work with these kind of folks. Fortunately, they hired me and that was probably, I think it was in November of 1982. So that's how I came to to Briggs & Veselka. And Johnny, you mentioned kind of identifying that gap in your services. And so, so John, what did you come in to do there? Well, like Johnny said, at the firm was pretty much a tax firm. They had financial clients, but not that many and, you know, and maybe not the expertise. And so they pretty much hired me to start an auto practice, which was kind of interesting because as we all know that guys that are in their early 20s, or mid-20s, you know, 
it took me a while to kind of settle down and understand, you know, how important it was to the firm. And and I had only done audits at Briggs at uh, Arthur Young, had not done any compilations or reviews and some other things. So the things that I knew immediately I had to do was, you know, set up a quality control system for audit practice, work paper references, you know, systems in place to make sure quality of our audits were good. Had to learn compilations and reviews. The other thing that that I was kind of tasked to do, I think it was in the mid-80s, was to pass peer review at the time. So it took a lot. You know, we I started slowly and slowly but surely, you know, put a good quality control system in place, started hiring various people to help me. I think it was in 1986, we actually passed peer review when it was strictly voluntary, which made me feel good because I felt like, well, they won't fire me now because at least I passed peer review. <laughs> but, but slowly but surely, kind of built up the quality, the type of clients, a lot of challenges at the time. We had a lot of, we had several financial institutions in the very beginning that I had to kind of get up to snuff on. And it went real well, you know, having, especially in 1984, when Johnny took over from Mr. Briggs, you know, Johnny kind of let me, he said, just build up a practice. You know, there were no constraints, you know, could hire who we wanted. And slowly but surely, we just grew. We, we were successful, like Johnny mentioned, year after year, the audit practice and the whole firm just kept growing. Uh, and some of those years were lean years with the savings alone and oil bust back in the 80s. But our firm just kept growing. And, and I believe, like Johnny believes, and I think our current managing shareholder, Sheila, believes, when you have integrity and a great culture and you care about your people and your clients, and that's what motivates your firm, you know, we all believe that's why we're very successful. It's the people that make us successful. And it was very difficult, I might add. You know, Johnny was like, I don't know, sort of an icon, you know, had integrity, was well known in the community. You know, I always felt like, gosh, how am I supposed to succeed someone like that? And I almost felt like it was succeeding, whoever succeeded Bear Bryant and all the great coaches, it's difficult because, you know, their reputations and their integrity, you know, it's just difficult to match, you know. And, you know, my, I was always one of these type of people that loves to grow things even when I used to play sports and everything. And I was determined to grow. And maybe some of the qualities that Johnny had, I did not possess. Like Johnny's very patient, very understanding at times. And, you know, I just wanted to grow. So I was on a fast pace to grow the firm. I actually took over, I think it was uh, in 2009. Johnny helped me if I'm off on that, but I became the managing partner in 2009. And you know, suddenly the whole world changed for me because, you know, I was so focused on growth and quality control before. Now suddenly, you know, I had to kind of get into the administrative stuff of the firm, which, you know, I knew little of at the time. And fortunately, we had another partner, Steve Awall, who was one of our original partners, too, who was very helpful for me. That's great. Yeah. And John, once you will fast forward there, once you took over as a managing shareholder, what, was there something maybe outside of the administrative, something about leading a company that you did not expect or something that took you by surprise there? Well, you hit that one on the nail on the head, Ryan. <laughs> yes, there was, <laughs> you know, 
like I said, my whole life was growth. You know, I was I focused on growing things. I focused on mainly the quality controls. We continue to pass peer review, which I think we've passed peer review. Oh, let's see now, twelve times in a row, every three years with no comments. And so those are things that I wanted to focus on. Those are the things I really enjoyed getting big new clients for the firm. So when I took over as managing partner, one of the hardest things for me was our partner group and, you know, and, and just making sure that we we're all in the same, you know, while moving to the same direction, we, we all believe in the firm, we believe in quality. And, and that was the most difficult because as everyone knows, you know, each partner has a different philosophy, has a different way of looking at things. And so it, it took me a long time to kind of get them, you know, all on the same wavelength, uh, not looking at audit or tax department, not looking at what's good for the individual, but trying to get us all thinking about what's good for the firm. Doesn't matter what department, doesn't matter which department's growing faster as long as the whole firm's growing. And I'd say that was the biggest challenge that I had. And this might be a difficult question, but what was maybe a tactic that you used there or something that you felt finally clicked with the partner group? Well, it was actually based upon some advice Johnny had given me. And, you know, and Johnny just said, you know, work hard, lead, be honest and transparent with everyone and they'll follow. You know, so instead of worrying about, you know, what may be going on behind the scenes or anything, I just, you know, worked very hard, tried to be as transparent as I could with everyone. And I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but based upon that advice, it seemed to work. Finally bought in, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there's you're never perfect, as Johnny used to tell me, but it but it did work, you know. And people knew that their salaries and their bonuses were going up. The firm was becoming more successful. I think it was about that time that we became one of the best places to work uh, by the Houston Chronicle and the HBJ. And you know, a lot of things started turning our way. Our peer reviews were unqualified, no comments which is very rare. Everything just seemed to click. We hired the right people that had the same integrity culture, some different, some technical, some good at marketing. And speaking of marketing, that was probably one of the other challenges I had besides getting our partner group in sync was, you know, as when we started off, it was all about production, making sure that everybody was productive and we were efficient and everything. But you know, realized when I took over that maybe I had that marketing mindset, but the rest of the firm may not have. And so spent a lot of time at some of the annual uh, staff meetings we had, trying to get people to focus on marketing, business development, getting out in the community, doing speeches, joining organizations, and basically learning how to develop business for the firm. And, you know, that took a, it was, it took a while but with our quality of work and, and the firm's culture and adding that business development piece, we just started skyrocketing. I think Johnny mentioned, I can't remember through any down years, but I can't remember any down years when Johnny was in charge and I am. And now Sheila, we just usually have double digit growth and most of it organic. And we've had some acquisitions over the years, but very small. And I think the, you know, just leading by example, just having integrity, 
treating your clients right, treating your employees right. It's just work. We have fantastic staff. We have a partner group right now that I know I'm biased, but I'd say I, I can't imagine any other firm having as good a group of partners or staff that we have now. And, you know, so I think the formula that Johnny started, I tried to continue. And I believe Sheila has been very successful at has just made us what I consider a powerhouse in Houston. And we're known as the largest middle market uh, client servers. We have a very strong SEC practice now. We have so many strong niches. We have, I don't know, maybe I think the last time I heard we had 17 niches. We're well positioned, you know, in the new technology world that we face, a rapidly changing environment. We've, we bought a technology company. We've invested heavily in IT folks. So I think, you know, with things like big data, artificial intelligence, all the things that's out there, including you, Ryan, with the help of our CRM system. But anyways, various things that we do now, I think we're well poised to be very successful. That's great. Thank you for that, John. And kind of next group of topics as high level leaders of the firm and, and Johnny, we can start with you. Developing talent from within becomes a major priority. Can you give insight into your process for developing team members in the firm and what was sort of your philosophy? Okay. I'm going to start taking back to a place where the firm started doing strategic planning, which I think was kind of one of the milestones that really helped. It helped me and I think it helped the firm continue. We started out uh, with strategic planning fairly early on for a firm our size, I thought, but we decided on what we wanted to do. And every year we, we developed a strategic plan and every year we would revise it and update it. And the, one of the main points of that strategic firm was developing niches. And we've always had a, a good general firm, but we didn't have a lot of specialty areas. And we decided we need to get more into some of these specialty areas, whether it be uh, niche creations such as uh, qualified plan audits, bank audits, different areas. And uh, we decided to uh, do this by developing niches. And what we would do, we would, once we identified a possible niche, we would try to throw resources to it. And then after two or three years, see if it develops. And we did have some items early on that did not really work correctly or properly. And I think it was due to the fact that it took us a while to realize that we were trying to put people in charge of those niches that we're already 100% working with clients. And so we did, I think, realize we have to go out and hire competent people to service those niches. And as we grew, we I think the plan was to about every other year, we would like to develop a niche or so. And it's probably accelerated after I left because when I left, we probably had three or four or five niches or maybe now they, John said they have 17. And so I think in by starting those niche practices, we learned to hire quality people to service those areas. And when I, in my term, we were just starting out in that area. So we were kind of learning as we grew, but we did go out and we tried to grow some of our own, but we definitely did go out and 
try to hire people that would fit our culture. And that was one of the main things, I think, people that we felt like we had a good culture. We wanted people with the same mindset to uh, join us to service these new areas that we were uh, developing. So I would say the main thing in from my perspective was to hire people that they might not be the smartest in the world, but they got the right culture and they're hard workers and they will, you know, ethically do the right thing and not get you in trouble. So from my perspective, that was kind of the, where all the, the good hiring started. And I think John and uh, Sheila had built on that. Yeah. And, and John, thinking about, talent development in the same vein, what advice would you give to managers on their journey to developing talent on their teams? Maybe I can answer that by giving a little bit of background and everything Johnny said, you know, is exactly right. When I took over, you know, we were relatively, well, relatively small still. And, you know, and I think about, when we hired some folks, you know, I was thinking about our current leadership group and our management committee, you know, our managing shareholder, Sheila, our tax department chair, Jason Sanders, our audit department chair, Adam Dimmick, all three of those, fortunately, you know, I spent a lot of time with when they joined the firm. And what I mean by that is I actually took them out all to our major clients and, you know, eventually you know, they were learning from me and they eventually took over all those major clients. So, you know, I look back on it now and and it's the one thing I kind of feel proud of is the fact that just like Johnny took me under his wings and a lot of the success I've had was due to him. The same thing for those three. We, I worked with them. I took them out to prospects. You know, they learned the integrity. They learned the business development. They learned the quality control. And now they're leaders in our firm. But after a while, I realized, you know, that I couldn't do everything by myself, you know, even though I thought I could, but, you know, just so many hours in the day, we did, we ended up developing what I call a mentorship system where we have actually coaches and mentors for all of our people, including from the first intern that we have. And there's each of those coaches and mentors have specific duties. They're responsible for making sure those people get ahead. They learn what they need to do. And, you know, very proud of that. You know, those people get to choose their mentors and coaches, you know, so there's all, there's already a bond between those folks and they respect them. And the coaches and mentors are responsible for teaching, you know, all the various things at the various levels that those folks need to do. And there's one thing I've learned over the years, just by the hard knocks, I guess, is when you're working real hard and you're having time away from your family at work, you know, the the people that are working hard, they need to know that someone acknowledges it, that someone understands that someone's looking out for that. And with the coaches and mentor system, you know, it really helps, you know, and right now I can't, I can't remember. I have two or three coach, two or three as a coach and one or two or three as a mentor. And, you know, and each of the individuals that you're coaching and mentoring they have different skill sets. You know, there's one that's pretty high up in the organization but their business development skills maybe, you know, need the most help. So I end up introducing them to bankers, lawyers, taking them out to prospects so we can help them with that skill set. So, you know, I would say that, 
you know, for, for managers and, and partners, you know, how to develop the people underneath them. Number one, you got to show that you care, you know, that you're looking out after their careers. I think the coaching and mentorship system is critical at our firm. And especially as we get bigger and bigger, you know, I'm sure Johnny would tell you and, and I will tell you and Sheila will tell you, you know, you want to be able to talk to every staff person, motivate them, find out how you can help them. But as we get bigger, there's just too many people, which is why we, you know, move to do this mentorship and coach system. And I would say that's probably the primary driver why we have so little turnover compared to most firms, why, you know, we start with interns and some of them reach partner eventually and they stick around with us. But that would be my answer. Yeah, perfect. And John, you touched on referral sources there for a second. You're kind of known as the master of referrals. What do you think contributes to you being so good at making those connections and and finding those opportunities in the market? You know, it's interesting because I've always considered myself an introvert and people laugh when I say that, but it's true. I can always remember in graduate school, the whole, your whole grade at the end of the semester was on a presentation. And, you know, I, would, I remember asking my parents and I'm like, can you get a doctor to prescribe some Valium for me? I got to get some <laughs> sleep and I'm just, I'm too nervous. And, you know, and, you know, so in the beginning, it was very difficult. In fact, I remember Johnny, I was complaining to him early on. I said, no matter how hard I try and I get out in the community, I can't get clients. And I remember Johnny saying, well, all, all of your friends are not in a position to give you them as a client. You know, they're all young like you. You got to wait a little bit. But, you know, in my case, I'm not a natural business developer, never have been. And so I've had to, you know, what I've always done. And, you know, for example, for many years before I got older, I would see 20 or 30 people a week. You know, I'd, have, I'd either go to their shops, bankers, lawyers, insurance people. I joined a bunch of organizations, you know, business type organizations, got on a bunch of boards, got out in the community and actually had to speak in front of a lot of them, which I didn't like at first. But I think it's persistence. It's meeting as many good business people as you can. I realized halfway through some of the conversations, they could never help me. But it it was a numbers game for me. The more I got out in the community, the more I, you know. And then a second thing I've tried to teach a lot of our people through the years is that you go to a mixer with a big bank or big law firm and, you know, you meet some folks and if you don't follow up, you just wasted your time. You got to follow up with the persons, go to lunch. And then after a while, once you establish a relationship, I've heard so many of our folks tell me, well, they don't send me any work. And I ask, well, have you sent them any? You know, so it's always a two-way street. So I would say the answer to me has always been meet as many people as you can, you know, try to establish relationships, whether it's if you like to play golf with them or, you know, whatever their interests are that you can get outside of the work environment. So you develop a personal relationship and then actually refer work to them. And I can assure you, once you do that, you're kind of set for life because they keep referring work. And and it's not an easy thing to do because at least as partners and managers in our firm, we're extremely busy with our client work, but I always felt like the business development part was at least 50% of my responsibility. So I would really spend the time, you know, and a lot of the things that I did, to be honest with you, it may not have been what I enjoyed the most to do, 
but I knew it was necessary to grow the firm. And, you know, and, you know, fortunately, the last few years, I've had the opportunity, we have a lot of programs in place where we teach managers how to do business development with, you know, cases that we develop, and we interview them like we were a client. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of persistence, meeting as many professionals as you can, joining organizations, getting on boards. But even joining organizations and getting on boards, if you just join and you don't become an officer on a committee, it's, you know, you won't get any referrals. You know, you got to really work hard. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is. But again, over the years, I've become very passionate. And those are the things that I really like doing. Great. And as it became time to identify a new managing shareholder, John, we can start with you. Johnny, I'd love to hear your take as well. What was the spark that you saw in Sheila and how did you know she'd be the right choice? That's a great question. You know, as I started thinking about it, because my, I think it was a, I think it was the eighth year out of 10 years of my term. And I gave it a lot of thought and I said, what are the qualities that Johnny had? What are the qualities that I wanted for this firm that made us all so successful? And so I, and I hope I can remember all, but I came up with four criteria. And I actually was in an executive committee meeting with our top leaders. And I went around the room and I actually told everyone, well, I told them as a group, you know, here are my four criteria that I want my successor to have. You know, one was integrity, obviously, that Johnny had so well. Two was they got to be, they got to do quality work. Three, they got to take care of their clients. But then the fourth one was the most important to me. It's the one I got the most questions about because it has lots of different definitions. But I said it has to be someone who has no biases, who doesn't play favorites, you know, because we all like some people better than others and is looked up to and respected and transparent. And in my mind, as they were asking me questions, I was looking around that room and there were a couple of folks that met three of the criteria. But Sheila was the only one that in my mind, and that that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, but in my mind, met the most important to me, the culture one, you know, not bias, no ego, you know, integrity, all those qualities that a leader has to have. If you're going to lead a firm and you expect people to work lots of hours, come up with innovative ideas, join organizations and do all the things that we ask our partners to do, and they don't see it. In, in the managing partner themselves, and they see the managing partner may be biased or like certain people more, you know, those, those were the qualities. And, you know, it's interesting because up until that time, you know, I had worked with Sheila on some of our major audits for several years. I had, you know, gone out to proposals and done a lot of things with her, but never really, you know, we never sat down or had any personal discussions whatsoever, but she just exemplified all of that. You know, and she, you know, I always tell her she knows it. Everybody knows it. You know, she did that a lot better than I did. Probably more like Johnny. You know, sometimes, you know, I'm not as patient as either one of those. Sometimes I get a little frustrated because I want to keep growing and I can't understand why people don't want to grow with me sometimes. But she exemplified everything and, you know, extremely bright. The things I noticed about both her and Johnny is that, you know, you get them in front of a group 
and they, and you ask them tough questions or in a client meeting with attorneys, their minds are so sharp that they immediately can answer. Whereas I have to usually process things a little bit. So Sheila just, you know, was so far above everyone else. And, you know, and it was going to be hard for me to approach her because I don't think she was expecting it. Number one, you know, her way she originally reacted when I told her was kind of, let me think about it, (laughs) which is never good when someone tells you that, but you know, eventually, you know, we, we had our elections and things worked out and, and I remember and Johnny had mentioned that to me, too, years before. I was actually scared. Just didn't think I was up to the task at the time. But I'll let Johnny kind of put in his comments. Okay. You know, from my standpoint, I think I had an easy job in selecting the managing shareholder to proceed me or succeed me because we all of our partners that we had were they're good, very good technical partners. They knew had outstanding abilities in their own right. But as a lot of accountants are, they're not as good with getting business and going out in the public and really trying to create business. Because a lot of the, back in when I started, a lot of the good referrals just came to you. I mean, if you were good, your name was out there, you got a lot of referrals, but you didn't have to work as hard for them. And there were maybe smaller clients at the time too, but I knew John had had both sides of the coin. He was a very good technical person, but he also had the ability to go out and sell. And I learned that by me and John going out on many clients together. We we worked as a team a lot of times, and I don't can't recall too many clients that we went prospects that we went out to that we didn't actually get us clients because I think when we went out, you know, we told our story. We also listened. And for some reason, I think we came through as being, you know, honest, not trying to say we're the greatest in the world, but we knew what we were doing. And I think we we came across as a good team. And by seeing the way John worked with uh, me when we were going out together on clients and some of the, some of these clients we still have today that turned out to be huge clients, you know, it just impressed me. And therefore I knew that John was, had to be the one. And I don't know if he expected it. He probably did, but uh, he, he definitely was the person of first choice and uh, the one who did a great job in succeeding me. Hey, Johnny, just to, on that last part, I actually thought you were going to pick Steve. <laughs> I mean, I think Steve had been kind of you know, right-hand man of yours and did a great job. Right. And, you know, I knew he knew a lot more about the administrative. I didn't really know a whole lot. So in some respects, it, you know, I kind of thought it would be him. Yeah, and either one would have been a good choice. You know, I will say that. <laughs> But I think you just had the ability to, and really liked, I felt like you liked going out and you, you liked to win. You're a bulldog. You, you know, you didn't, and that was a good characteristic as far as I was concerned. <laughs> That's awesome. Fantastic insight. And Johnny, I, I don't know how much, I guess, you were involved with the discussions when John was planning for Sheila to come on board. Do you have any stories there, insight there on your thoughts on Sheila? 
Well, John and me, you know, John did confide in me when he was thinking about, and we talked together who was going to be the person that would take over after we did. And, you know, Sheila's name came up uh, fairly early in the conversation. And I didn't know her near as well as John early, but as I got to know her a little bit better, I could see the quality she had. And so uh, I definitely had, well, agreed with John. And we were also trying to make the firm a little younger, so to speak, from the managing position. And uh, to me, it ended up being a logical choice, you know. That's great. And last question here, Johnny, I'll start with you. And John would love to hear your take as well. With both of your experiences in growing the company during your own stages of life, what is one piece of advice you'd give to Sheila as she looks to the firm's future here? Oh, I would say always look at the culture uh, that you've developed. And if you can maintain that culture at some level, I think that's very important. Always understand that you're only as good as your people are and continue to develop those people. And as you grow, that does give you ability to for your people to see that they have a continuing ability to move forward with the firm. And I think those kind of things will help the firm continue to have success. Fantastic. John, what about you? One of, one of the things that I should have mentioned earlier, excuse me, was vision. You know, the CPA world is changing so fast right now, faster than I've ever seen it. And it's moving in technology directions. It's moving where CPA firms have a lot of non-CPAs that are specialists in their technical areas. And, you know, the, the one thing that I've told Sheila is, you know, you have a vision, Sheila. You're, you're on the, she attends the top 100 CPA firm meetings. You know what's going on and don't let, you know, make sure that you make sure that all the partners know what that vision is and, and get their buy-in and acceptance in it. And, and I think she's done a great job. The other thing that kind of haunted me through the years is, you know, we're all a little bit emotional. And as a managing partner, sometimes, and Johnny knows this about me, I would get upset when, you know, two or three outlying partners would question everything. They, they didn't like the, the stuff that we were doing. And one of my first advice to Sheila was when she took over is don't let that affect you. If you have a good vision and you know you're doing it right for the firm, keeping the firm in mind, don't let those one or two folks, you know, drag you down. Just, you know, just deal with them professionally and keep moving on. And interesting that he and Sheila have had some conversations about that in the last three weeks or so, too. So, you know, those were the things that I really wanted her to focus on. She's got great vision. You know, she knows where the CPA firm Industry is going to be in the five or 10 years, and she's moving us in that direction. And like I said, we bought a non-CPA firm, technology firm. We also have a wholly owned uh, subsidiary that buys and sells companies and raises capital. So we got into a lot of the higher margin where it helps the clients more services and niches. And, you know, CPA, by their nature, a little bit conservative, don't like a whole lot of fast change. 
but the world is changing fast now. And, you know, she has the right vision. And she, you know, I told her, don't let, you know, two or three or even four partner groups, no matter what you hear in the background, all that noise, you got to keep moving it forward, you know, because you will have the support of the majority of the partners who understand that to be successful, we can't be the same. We've got to change constantly. And Ryan, I think you've even seen how the firm has grown and their administrative capabilities. I feel like we have one of the strongest IT staffs ever with Jim Herman heading it. And then not only that, but Sheila saw the vision, I don't know, it was two or three years ago. She built up that whole staff, her and Ilsa, that whole IT staff. And I heard all the noise like she did in the background that, well, we don't need all these people. It's just overhead and stuff. Well, her vision was first to get the firm right because we've never had that strong of an IT you know, department, which sometimes slowed us down significantly. So now we have state of the art. And I've seen it firsthand. The second part that she had in her mind that I didn't even think of was she wanted the IT department to be a revenue producing uh, part of the firm. And you know, I saw it because I had a new client that me and Adam were talking to and uh, they needed it. They wanted someone to come in and understand, redo all their IT from scratch, put in the controls and everything. And you know, they got a big engagement. So not only did they strengthen our firm internally, but you know, they're starting to become a revenue producing. And, and I, I'm sure, you know, I could bring up many more examples about our administrative staff with Ilsa doing a great job as a chief operating officer and Y'all doing a great job in business development, CRM. But that's the vision that Sheila has. You know, now everybody accepts it like it was always there. But two or three years ago, there was a lot of battles to get there. But she kept on like I told her to. She had the vision where it would be in a few years. And so those are the things, the two things that, you know, I hope I helped her somewhat in. And, you know, I believe she's been more successful because of that. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Gentlemen, John, Johnny, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate um, all of the insight that you've given us on the company. I really felt it was a strong conversation. So thank you both so much. Thank Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for listening to the Briggs and Veselka podcast. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to listen to past and future upcoming episodes, go to our website at bvccpa.com. Thank you.